minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Thanks, Kyle. I am pretty excited to be here. I mean, I wish I wish we were talking on better terms. It seems like we've been having a lot of depressing shows shows lately um and obviously it's been a week where most of Packer Nation has been trying to come to grips with a season uh that looks to have next to no playoff hopes um which is funny because the Packers still have the slightest of chances of getting into the postseason I think it's something like a three percent chance um and and this is exactly what it would take to make the playoffs in case you haven't seen the image that's floating around Twitter um of course the Packers have to win out there's I think feel like every week we say they have to win out, but this time we're really serious. They have to win out. And four of the following five things would have to happen. The Eagles have to drop one game, the Seahawks two, the Panthers would have to drop two, Washington would have to lose two, and the Vikings would have to lose three. So four of those five things. Um, so that is a whole lot of hoping and wishing. Um, Kyle, you think there's any point of actually holding out hope for that to happen? The realist in me would say absolutely not, <laughs> but it's not crazy to think that there is a small chance that this happens, uh, and it's you know it's not what the fans would prefer to see, but we've kind of gotten used to the Packers and the teams of late kind of sneaking into the playoffs, and as you said, the Packers would need some help for this to happen. I was looking at this a little bit more closely, and they would need the Eagles to lose one of those next five, but they do play the Rams, and so that's kind of likely. Uh, they would need the Seahawks to lose those two games, but they play the Chiefs in Week 16, so that's one of those two losses right there. Uh, they would need the, the Panthers to lose twice, and while well, the Panthers play the Saints uh, in the last five weeks twice, and so totally possible that that happens. Uh, the Redskins would need to lose twice, but they're going to be starting Colt McCoy or Mark Sanchez at quarterback for the rest of the season, so it'd be almost surprising if they didn't lose two games. And then finally, and maybe most unlikely, is that they will need the Vikings to lose three of their last five, but Minnesota does play the Patriots, the Bears, and the Seahawks, so a pretty challenging slate of games to finish out the season. So am I holding out a ton of hope for the Packers to make the playoffs? No, (laughs) but the Packers, if they can flip a switch and take care of what they need to control and win these next five games, then I do think that there is a chance, as crazy as it is, uh, that they can get in. And if they get in, then they'll be on a five-game win streak, because they'd have to win those five, and they'll likely be playing the Bears or the winner of the NFC East, whoever that is, whether that's the Cowboys or the Eagles in the wildcard round of the playoffs. And none of those teams really terrify you. Um, people think that Jerry Jones is the owner of the Cowboys, but we all know that that's actually Aaron Rodgers. And so he's not going to be afraid to go in there on the road and try to win a playoff game in Dallas. And Rodgers pointed out this week that they've gone to Chicago many times and won. So I don't think the Packers would be intimidated to play at Soldier Field either. And so if they get in now, obviously that would be just absolutely crazy. Uh, but things could get a little bit interesting. Do I expect it to happen? Absolutely not. (laughs) 
Yeah, and and in this scenario, then obviously the Packers would have gone into Soldier Field and won a game already, um, and so they would have a crazy ton of momentum going forward. Um, Of course, based on the way that we've seen this team play, uh, probably not willing to go out on a limb and say that they're going to win out, um, but we can certainly hope that that's going to happen. So even though there is a lot of negativity about the fate of this team, we are still going to watch them. We're still going to cover them uh, for the rest of the season. So what kind of things do you see that we may have to look forward to for the rest of the games? Yeah, absolutely. So as much as excitement uh, has been surrounding these young players on this team, I'm going to be watching because this is super boring. Um, But I'm going to be watching to see how some of these aging veterans play these last five weeks of the season. Uh, There are a lot of guys who need to show that they're worth their keep and that they're going to be valuable pieces to this team going into 2019. Um, Everyone knows that Clay Matthews isn't the player that he once was. And everybody knows that his salary is going to be significantly less next year, whether that's in Green Bay or somewhere else. Um, So can he prove over these last five weeks of the season that he's worth retaining on a cheaper contract? I don't know. Uh, Same thing can be said for a guy like Randall Cobb, who's been hurt most of the season. What can he show down the stretch to prove his value to the Packers? Uh, Those are the big two, but then you can also talk about Tremont Williams. Uh, Can he show that he's growing into his role at safety? Uh, The Packers can uh, save a chunk of change in the offseason if they were to cut Williams. Will he prove that his value as a safety or a corner is worth the money that they're going to pay him to this front office? And then finally, like a guy like Brashad Breland, can Breland put enough on film to entice the Packers into signing him to be a part of the 2019 plan at cornerback? Uh, this season hasn't gone at all as we've expected, but these last weeks of, this, of the season are going to be, you know, just full of a lot of drama, uh, just from a personal standpoint for the, a lot of these guys who are really playing for their jobs. Yeah, and I appreciate that you took the veteran players because I definitely don't want to talk about them and I'd much rather talk (laughs) about some of the young players Um, and I am certainly excited to see how they perform the rest of the season. I think um, Equinemius St. Brown is going to be a star in the future. Um, I am starting to see some of the the athletic traits that he possesses that are just super unique and, and super rare um, start to show through um, along with some probably surprising fundamentally sound play. Um, I want to see his development as he continues to learn how to run routes and that developing relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I also want to see if Jason Spriggs has what it takes to replace Brian Bulaga. I'd love to see Josh Jackson get more comfortable playing on the outside and not so much in the slot. I want to know if Josh Jones can be a starting safety in the NFL. And I'd really love to see Kendall Donerson get called up from the practice squad. Yes, of course, I am selfishly banging the drum for my own guy here. But as I demonstrated before the season started, the closest athletic comparison to Donerson in the NFL is Von Miller. Once the playoffs aren't in the picture, and maybe if they still are, I'd love to see him get a crack at some playing time. Because outside of Kyler Fackrell, and I can't believe I'm saying this, (laughs) the Packers get zero pass rush from their edge rushers. So Donerson can't possibly play any worse than the rest of the supporting cast of Super Fackrell. Um, And I guarantee he will catch a tackle flat-footed once or twice and absolutely just blow past them to the quarterback. And if he's developed any pass rush moves, and I mean any at all, 
his counters would be wide open all day because every tackle in this league is going to set up super wide against him. Well, we really do hope that Donerson is the Von Miller that we all know that he is. So uh, we're hopeful to see that. We're also hopeful to see an incredible playoff run. Um, but it's also and, and, realistic. Go ahead. Do you know what his teammates do when Donerson gets a sack? What do they do, Andrew? They have a Donerson party. That's awesome. That's, That's a little good. history joke for you. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's also, it's just realistic to kind of turn an eye towards the future with this team. We're hopeful for the playoffs, but we got to talk about the future as well. So Andrew, let's talk about it. What changes do you think need to be made in this coming off season? Um, really, I just wanted to focus everything on one position today. So of course I'm going to talk about edge rusher today. Um, and much to my chagrin, as I previously mentioned, Kyler Fackrell looks like he is going to be part of this team for the foreseeable future. Um, and I, I do think Kendall Donerson has a future on this team, even if it's just being a, a really good special teams player. I do think you could see Clay Matthews and Nick Perry both jettisoned, and you you talked a little bit about um, the Matthews situation. And I'm not totally sure that Reggie Gilbert has proven he can be an NFL player despite his great preseason performances the last two seasons. That leaves some room for the addition of probably three players, maybe four, and I discuss how the Packers could potentially get over that $55 million number in cap space a few weeks ago. Um, and Andy Herman had pointed out how they could get even closer to 70 by making some uh, really, really aggressive moves. Um, there are edge rushers like Preston Smith, Brandon Graham, Dante Fowler, Frank Clark, Shaquille Barrett, Shane Ray, all set to hit free agency. And when you have the kind of money the Packers could potentially have, you could get a couple of those guys um, for reasonable contracts, which could help fix some of the issues on defense. There may be some big-name veterans like Carlos Dunlap, Terrell Suggs, Cameron Wake, um, who could come in and help out and potentially are looking to um, get added to a, a defense with a, a you know, veteran defensive coordinator um, and also maybe sign a little bit more reasonable contract. And then there's the big names, Jadavion Clowney and D Ford. They're unlikely to hit the market, but this could be, um, you know, the big edge rush splash if one of them makes it and the Packers want to go out and, and really spend um, the kind of money that they spent on Clay Matthews years ago um, and make him a really high, uh, you know, high-priced free agent and make that splash that they didn't make uh, with Khalil Mack. The draft class is also being touted as a historical one for edge rushers. It's headlined by Ohio State's Nick Bosa, um, but there's also some really solid players like Clemson's Clell and Farrell, uh, Kentucky's Josh Allen, not to be confused with Buffalo's quarterback, um, Ja'Kai Polite from Florida, Montez Sweet of Mississippi State, I think it's Montez Sweet. Maybe it's Sweat. I think it might be was, Sweat. Yeah, there was Josh Sweet from Florida State, whose yeah. name is spelled Sweat. So we'll go with <laughs> with what you said. Um, but there's Joe Jackson of Miami. There's Brian Burns of Florida State. All guys who could be picked within the top two rounds. Um, and and we're going to be breaking down some of these prospects in the near future. Um, hopefully, we'll be avoiding going into full off-season mode during the regular season. But I would absolutely love to see the Packers add three or maybe even more players in free agency in the top three rounds of the draft to get into that pass rush rotation. It's such a key in today's NFL, and Green Bay can go from really bad to really good in a hurry this offseason. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a lot's been made of how um, Coach Pettin can create pressure by not using edge rushers and being a little bit more creative. Uh, but I can only imagine that it only gets better if you give him some good pieces to use off the edge. So absolutely. Uh, let's let's hope that that happens this offseason. Um, obviously, a coaching change is probably coming here. I think that we're kind of in a place where we've accepted that. I think Mark Murphy and company would have a really hard time justifying not making some pretty big changes after this season. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what effort is made to retain Mike Pettin. Uh, we've seen some really nice strides on the defensive side of the ball, especially considering the youth that's starting in that secondary and the unsettled nature of the safety position. So we'll see if keeping Mike Pettin around is a priority Uh, But Green Bay's biggest failings this season have come on the watch of Mike McCarthy. Uh, Things like game plan, play calling, situational football, timeout usage, and personnel usage are all things that, at least in part, fall on the head coach. And so an honest assessment of things is probably going to lead to new leadership in Green Bay. And what I maybe might be most interested to see is what Mark Murphy will value in a new coach. Uh, Will he go for a safe candidate with head coaching experience? Will he go for an up-and-coming coordinator? Or will he bet the farm on an ascending college coach? There's so many options, so many different directions that we could go with here in Green Bay. Um, That's going to be really interesting. What direction will Mike Murphy want to take this team? And even more, um, what amount of input will he invite Brian Gutekunst to have in this hiring process? There's been a lot written lately about this and the idea that Gutekunst should be the one making the hire. And that's totally possible that that's the correct take. However, it's not likely to be the case. Mark Murphy is probably going to be making that final decision. But if Gutekunst is involved, there are some things to watch and see how they develop. Uh, It's been rumored that the 49ers liked the pairing of Gutekunst and Josh McDaniels if McDaniels had been the coach hire in San Francisco in 2017. And so you know Gutekunst and McDaniels had done their homework on each other at that point. I know Packers fans are torn on McDaniels as a candidate. uh, But at the end of the day, it's not what we as fans think. It's what Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst think is best for the future of this football team. Uh, One other name that's interesting to me is Sean Ryan. Ryan is in his mid-40s, and he's currently the Texans quarterback's coach and has an offensive background. So uh, he actually interviewed for the offensive coordinator positions in Minnesota and Cleveland this last offseason and has done some work in Houston with the Texans and uh, Deshaun Watson. It's really respected around the league. Um, And if we remember, Brian Gutekunst was interviewing with the Texans for their open GM position when he accepted the job in Green Bay. And so, again, you know that Gutekunst had done his research on that coaching staff, and it would be interesting to see if Sean Ryan's name is thrown in the hat for perhaps maybe something more like offensive coordinator or something like that in Green Bay. Uh, But at this point, it's all just fun to speculate. It's going to be really fun to see uh, the future of this team take shape over the next couple of months of the offseason as we get there. Yeah, and believe it or not, with all of our talk about next year and the the off season, um, there is a game this weekend. Um, <laughs> that, of course, being against the Arizona Cardinals. And so, Kyle, uh, let's take a few minutes to look at some of the key matchups that we'll be keeping an eye on in this week's game. 
Absolutely. So Devontae Adams versus Patrick Peterson is just going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, Devontae Adams has really been a bright spot for this Packers team this year. He's already had his best yardage season, I believe, and he's already put up 11 touchdowns through 12 weeks. So he's just having a phenomenal year. But this week he matches up with Peterson, and it will be interesting to see what he's able to do against him. Uh, Adams really hasn't been stopped by even the most talented guys that he's faced this year. He's embarrassed Kyle Fuller and Darius Slay. Uh, he wasn't shut down by Xavier Rhodes. And so we'll see if Adams can continue his dominant season this week as he matches up against one of the most noted shutdown corners in the league in Patrick Peterson. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to David Johnson against the Packers' front seven. Uh, Mike Pettin's front line is beat up, and they face one of the most dynamic players in the entire NFL. But are Kenny Clark and Blake Martinez combined with some duct tape and loose parts enough to stop David Johnson? I actually think they can control the Cardinals' offensive line, but if Johnson finds himself in space against Blake Martinez or Antonio Morrison in the passing game, Arizona could find ways to sustain drives and get points. And uh, I can't think of another another matchup uh, to to place on David Johnson, but maybe Kyle can. <laughs> Andrew knows where I'm going with this. I'm going to talk about Josh Jones, and it's totally possible that he could be a good person to put on David Johnson. Um, I'm interested to watch Josh Jones this week and see how he looks in that secondary versus the Arizona offense. Jones was pretty hard on himself this week um, on Twitter. Uh, following the game, he said, and I quote via his, or his uh, Twitter account, I was terrible tonight, period. End quote. He later said, there's absolutely no excuse for what I did out there on the field tonight. I have to be better, and I will. Uh, as you can imagine, Jones was met with a mixture of encouragement and criticism from fans. Uh, but it is refreshing to see a young player owning up to his mistakes. And so I'm looking forward to watching Jones hopefully learn from last week's game and fail forward. Uh, if this season is lost, fine. <laughs> but these next five weeks are going to be crucial in evaluating which players are going to play a key role on this team in 2019. And the safety position is in such an uncertain place at this point. And so a player like Josh Jones' ability to take some big steps in his development is going to be huge for the future of the Green Bay Packers and the future of the safety position for this team. Absolutely. I, I'm really looking forward to David Bakhtiari versus Chandler Jones. Um, normally, this would be a really key matchup. Um, I think Bakhtiari would win the large majority of the time. But it does look like he is going to be able to play, although um, potentially hobbled um, after getting some practice time. Jones is probably the only major threat in the Arizona pass rush. If Bakhtiari is limited or can't play at all, one of the things that has really hurt the Packers offense is opposing pass rushers um, going, you know, getting to Aaron Rodgers with the poor offensive line and Rodgers holding the ball too long. So that can have a huge impact on what otherwise should be expected to be a pretty big day for the Packers offense. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to have my eye on how this defense performs against rookie QB Josh Rosen. Uh, Rosen was my favorite quarterback coming out in this past year's draft, even over guys like Mayfield and Darnold. And so personally, I'm just excited to watch him play. Uh, but it's no secret that the Arizona Cardinals have had their struggles on offense this year. Uh, things have gotten a little bit better since they fired Mike McCoy and gave the offense over to Byron Leftwich. But it's still very much a work in progress. And Rosen is still learning and he's still taking a lot of hits. Uh, the Cardinals have 
one of the highest sack rates in the league. And so Rosen faces a tough test this week against Mike Pettin's defense that ranks third in total sacks in the league. And so I expect Pettin to dial up some creative looks and some creative blitzes to confuse Rosen and to try to force some turnovers in this game. Uh, in the nine games that Rosen has played, he's thrown 11 interceptions. And he has the third lowest quarterback rating in the league right now, only above fellow rookies Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. Rosen hasn't been as bad as those numbers suggest, to be fair. Uh, he's dealing with a really challenging situation on that offense. Uh, but that's not to say that this Packers defense shouldn't be licking their chops a little bit at an opportunity to get pressure and force this young quarterback into some pretty big mistakes on Sunday. Definitely. So those are some key matchups between the, the Packers and the Cardinals, and, and we'll we'll check those out. Um, we are going to finish on our weekly segment regarding the Packers' two draft picks in the 2019 NFL Draft. Um, if the season were to end today, the Packers would have the 11th and the 32nd picks in the first round. Based on last year's draft order, if the Packers win out, they can expect their own to beat own pick to be in the high teens or low 20s if they were to win three games they could expect it to be in that 12 to 16 range and if they lose out as unlikely as that is um, they would end up with a top eight pick so um, the tie is actually majorly working against the Packers in terms of making the playoffs it sort of acts as a default loss because they have to make up a win somewhere in terms of draft order it works as a default win because any team with as many wins will have have more losses with the exception of the Cleveland Browns. So if they end up with seven wins, they would pick after all the seven and nine teams. The Saints are currently playing in Dallas as we're recording this podcast. And actually the Cowboys are playing really well in the first half and have a lead. Um, so obviously losses potentially help the Packers draft position out, but most of that is going to end up depending on how far the Saints make it in the playoffs. But, that is all the time we have for today. So this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to follow at Packaday Podcast as well. Please subscribe to the Packaday Podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. And check out Jay, uh, Jacob and Zach as they get you ready for the game on Sunday. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week with a preview of the Packers Week 14 game. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Jones continues in the backfield behind Rodgers. Valdez scantling to the right side. Devontae to the left. EQ on the wing left side. Rodgers under center on second and seven of the Vikings, 15. Ball to the right hash. Rodgers takes back to throw, swings left side, got Adams, makes the turn of the pylon, and he's forced out of bounds. He's in play for the touchdown. Second and two, six-yard line of Minnesota, tied at seven apiece. Graham tight end right side of the line, three receivers bunch on the left, Rodgers under center. It's motion to the right, here's the pitch, Jones around the left end. He's got Bakhtiari blocking in front, Jones makes the turn to the pylon, to the end zone, for the touchdown. Slot left, with three receivers left, one to the right, Rodgers shotgun, Williams to his right. Rodgers takes the snap, looks, wings it over the middle, get Jimmy Graham between the hash marks, cross the 35, up to the 36-yard line of Green Bay. Out of the shotgun, three receivers left.
snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, steps up. He throws deep down the right side. He's got Devontae down the sidelines, cross the 30, into the Minnesota 25-yard line.